Today we're looking at Psalm 22, verses 9 through to 21, and we shall consider the faith that the Lord Jesus Christ had in his God from the cattle trough to the cross. From the cattle trough to the cross. There's been an emphasis on God being the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, his God, right from the off. This is, I think, our third visit now, isn't it? to Psalm 22, and it's been the Lord Jesus Christ and his God. And never forget that. Let's first of all look at verses 9 and 10. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. We know from the Bible, from the New Testament, that the the Lord Jesus Christ was conceived in a miraculous way. As the angel said to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Other than that, Jesus was Born in the usual way, although unlike us and unlike everyone else, he was conceived and born without sin. Big difference there. Let's try to understand and appreciate something of that. The eternal and sinless Son of God being born into this world. It is a world that is thoroughly evil. It has to be when you think that in John chapter 12 and verse 31, the prince or ruler of this world was declared by Jesus to be the devil. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, the apostle Paul described the devil as the god of this world. Gives you some idea just how evil this world is. If the Bible is telling us that the devil is the prince of this world and the god of this world. As for the citizens of this world, let's not pull any punches. The world is populated by people who are enmity against God. That means hostility. Enmity against God. It's not just that they are prone to be hostile against their maker, They are hostility against Almighty God. They are enmity against God every moment of every day. We have an example of the rebellion of people against the Lord and against his Christ in Psalm 2 verses 1 through to 3 where it is written, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Christ, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. And that is that really does sum it up. The people of this world, they are casting away the cords of God from them. They want no accountability to God, no subjection to their maker. The creature is in rebellion against the creator God. 
This is the world we live in. Generally, the extent of the evil in the world is played down. People will recognise to some degree that this world isn't what it might be. You have to, in a way. Anyone who knows anything about what goes on in in the world would look rather foolish if they claimed that uh, this world is just right. Nothing wrong with it. We have to acknowledge that it's not just right. But it is played down just how thoroughly evil this world is. And I would say that is because it's our world. This is the world we live in. It's all we've got. And more to the point, we're all part of the sin problem. The enmity, the hostility and so on, we're part of that problem. Each one of us. We are all, by nature, children of wrath. We all come into this world with a sinful nature. We are all enmity against God. All of us, except for Jesus, of course. If you can appreciate even something of the all-pervading wickedness which is in this world, which I'm sure you can, then you will perhaps appreciate something of the importance of the words in verse 9. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. This is the Lord Jesus Christ to his God, saying these things to his God. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. What we have in those words is an acknowledgement of God's providential care of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, ensuring that he was safely born. Quite possibly the hands that delivered baby Jesus were those of Joseph, hands that were more used to handling wood. But most of all, God ensured a safe delivery of Jesus into this wicked world. We read in verse 9, Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. For every hope, there has to be faith in something or someone, unless the hope is a groundless, false hope. For example, you can hope that your parachute opens if you jump out of an aircraft. And that hope can be based on a faith in the expertise of the people who inspect, fold and pack the parachute. Or else, the hope can be a fingers crossed type of hope. It depends what that hope is grounded upon whether there is a foundation for that hope. With regards to the hope that Jesus had, even as a suckling infant, he had a very real hope, and the substance of his hope was his God. Again, look at verse 9. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. Thou his God. Therefore, his hope was a very real hope. The hope that Jesus had would soon be seen to be well-grounded when he was still an infant and his God instructed Joseph in a dream to flee with him and Mary into Egypt where they were kept in safety until the death of King Herod who had sought to destroy 
Jesus. <coughs> the divine baby whose hope was in his God from his earliest days in the world never ceased to trust in him, even when he was hanging upon a cross and he cried out, as we see in verse 1, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Let's look at verse 11 and then I'm going to drop down to verse 19. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. Going back just one evening to the Garden of Gethsemane, God sent an angel to Jesus, not to deliver him from the cross, nor to somehow make it a little bit easier for Jesus, but to strengthen him for what lie ahead at the cross and for what he alone would have to endure as the Lamb of God, as the only acceptable sacrifice for sin. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, and lifted up to die, he was, in a sense, alone, in as much as it was something that he alone had to endure. But even so, in those words, be not far from me, we see that in verse 11, we see it in verse 19, be not far from me, it can be seen that the unity remained intact between Jesus and his God. Let us not forget that with respect to the divinity of Jesus, there can never be a separation between Father and Son. And with respect to his humanity, the faith of Jesus in his God remained intact from his infancy, where he said in verse 10, I was cast upon thee from the womb, right up to his death on the cross where he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Not forgetting in the New Testament, Luke chapter 23 and verse 46, where Jesus, just before he gave up the ghost, entrusted his spirit to his God, with the words, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. With all that in mind, Be not far from me, in verse 11, has to be seen as a declaration of the absolute trust of Jesus in his God at a time when he had reached the culmination of his earthly commission by surrendering himself to wicked men and to the death of the cross, all of which was done in obedience to his God. Likewise, in verse 19, where Jesus said, be not thou far from me, you have to read the whole sentence. And when you do that, you will see that Jesus was addressing his God as Lord, and he was acknowledging that the Lord was his strength. Just have a look at verse 19 again. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength, Haste thee to help me. 
To the Lord his God, who was his strength, Jesus asked to come quickly to his aid. We see that again in verse 19. Haste thee to help me. In verse 20, Jesus said, Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. My darling means the only one. As such, it means that that which is most dear and cannot be replaced. The life and the soul of the Lord Jesus Christ were infinitely more precious than ours. Yet still, he laid down his life as an atonement for sin. As for the dog, in verse 20, that may well refer to Satan or else the whole company of the Lord's enemies who were, who were united and won in malice and in evil. In verse 21, Jesus said, Save me from the lion's mouth. In the Bible, the devil is likened to a lion. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, it is written, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Having asked the Lord his God to come quickly to his aid and to deliver his soul, we have an expression from Jesus in the second part of verse 21. If you're looking at verse 21 there, it says, For thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. And that tells us that his prayer was answered. The word heard is much more often than not translated as answered in the Bible. Indeed, if you've got a version, another version other than the King James, you may well have answered instead of heard. The Lord his God delivered him, not from dying, for the wages of sin is death, and having lived a life of perfect obedience to his God, Jesus laid down his life in the place of sinners. That is why he came into the world. But death could not keep him. Jesus arose and the Lord, his God, have highly exalted him. Oh yes, the Lord, his God, heard him and answered his prayer. We see that in verse 21. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. Thou hast answered me. As it is written in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Let's have a look at verses 12. We're going back up now to verse 12 and verse 13. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. With regards, many bulls have compassed me. Those bulls would have included the priests, the chief priests, the Jewish elders, the scribes, the Pharisees amongst the Jews. 
It would have also included the Roman governor Pontius Pilate and King Herod from among the Gentiles. The reference to bulls conveys the degree of fierceness, fury and rage against the Holy One of Israel. Furthermore, in verse 12 we read, Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. Deuteronomy chapter 3 and verse 13 refers to Bashan as the land of giants. Full of strength and fury, they stamped their feet and foamed around the innocent one, longing to gore him to death with their cruelties and with their anger. In verse 13, it is written, They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. More often than not, the word that has been translated gaped is translated open. And often the Bible uses that word to describe the earth opening up her mouth. For example, to receive Abel's blood when his brother Cain slew him, and also to swallow up men with all their belongings. Here in verse 13 we have the leaders opening their blasphemous mouths like hungry cannibals as if they were about to swallow up the Lord Jesus Christ whom they hated so much. Like roaring lions they long to tear the Saviour to pieces. We've considered the wickedness of men. We've considered the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Lord his God And we've considered the faithfulness of his God to deliver him. It really is amazing when you think about it that what we have in these verses is a window through which we can see something of the cruelty of the rulers and various other people who have surrounded the cross that the incarnate Son of God was nailed to and lifted up to die for sinners according to the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of the Lord his God. Have you you really thought about this? This is a window to the cross. We're seeing so much in here, so much detail of what happened at the cross. We haven't even looked at the description of the suffering of Jesus, his physical suffering. That's for another time. But already we've seen so much if we look through that window with God's enabling grace. Also in these verses we can hear something of the anguished thoughts of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was dying. And the prayers that he directed to the Lord his God. We've been made privy to these things. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. And we have those words right in front of us here in our Bibles. Isn't that amazing? Be amazed. But don't just be amazed. If you have seen something, if you have heard something of those final hours of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross in the short time that I've been looking at Psalm 22 with you this evening. Things that reach their conclusion with Jesus declaring his redemptive work to be finished and entrusting his soul to his God. That was in Luke's Gospel. 
before he gave up the ghost and not forgetting his exaltation by his God. Wherefore God have highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're told in Philippians chapter 2. If you have not already done so and if you are amazed at the things you see in this psalm, don't just be amazed. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. For there is no other name given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Amen.